Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hi, welcome to the Big Tuesday Show. You know, we love our sponsors, and we hope you're going to support all of them because they help make the show happen. But in case you're not into listening to the commercials on the podcast, I've got some great news for you. For just $15 per month on our Patreon page, you can get the ultimate edition of this show. And it's entirely commercial free. Here's what that means. The Ultimate Edition combines the free version of the podcast with the shadow docket that we record after the end credits. Plus, we take out all the commercials just for you. That means you get the hour-long free show, plus the 20-minute shadow docket show, and you get all of that without commercials in one convenient chunk for just $15 per month. And it's happening on our Patreon page. That's bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. And now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. We could not talk or talk forever <laughs> and still find things to not talk about. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, October 10, 2023. This is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi there, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 993 of the Biden-Harris administration, 391 days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram, the Bob Seska. That's my name there. Twitter is Bob Seska underscore go, spoutable Bob Seska, Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. And that guy sitting right over there, it's Buzz Burbank with the news. Yes. You yeah. said it all. <laughs> Hi. Hey, easy, easy. That's a $60,000 Mercedes. <laughs> What's that? Someone dinging a, your car? A, someone? Uh... A, uh, yeah, a gift from Uncle Bob Menendez. <laughs> Want the valet to be careful. That's right, Bryden. Hi, hi everybody. Hi. Uh, he, he's Bob. I'm Buzz, and we're claiming podcaster immunity. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Anybody can do that. <laughs> uh, did you get that emergency alert on your phone last week? I did. Uh, it, it caught me off guard. Yeah. I mean, I swear. I swear. My first thought was, "Oh my God, Trump did buy that gun." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now that uh, now that Kevin McCarthy has been pushed out, uh, mm-hmm. Patrick McHenry yeah. is the temporary speaker of the House. Uh, there have been talk that Trump could be the next speaker. Yeah. Uh, that would make sense. Uh, we'd go uh, that way. We'd go from uh, McCarthy to McHenry to McMuffin. <laughs> uh, Matt Gates is now denying that he takes a Viagra with Red Bull mm-hmm. so he can, quote, go all night. Ew. Uh, he says this time of year, it's Viagra and pumpkin spice. 
Uh, and finally, uh, uh, France. Uh, France is, uh, they have a lot of problems there, but, but France is now uh, having to vaccinate 64 million ducks against bird flu. <laughs> Most of them just wouldn't wear the little mask. More fun. Let's go spreading now. Everybody's learning how. Come on, get infected with me. Come on, get infected with Early in the morning, we'll be heading out. The virus will be coming along. We're loading up our woody, not a mask in sight. We won't be staying healthy too long. Come on, Corona, baby. Wait and see. I'm going to ignore the CDC. Come on with me, baby. Let's head to the sea. We'll start a second wave. Wait and see. Let's go spreading now. Everybody's learning how. Come on, get infected with me. Come on, get infected with me. Yeah. Imagine that song was about bird flu, and then it makes sense, right? <laughs> it does. Now it's a theme. The teeny but, tiny know, little masks on the ducks is making we're, me we're, laugh. We're keeping an eye on that virus. Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are. Um, we actually did have a, a very serious discussion prior to starting the show uh-huh. as to whether we wanted to do any jokes at all today because of uh, what's going on in Israel and Gaza and the immense, unspeakable tragedy of what is transpiring there. Some of the things that uh, I think we've seen over the past few days, you wish there was that eternal sunshine of the spotless mind device to wipe that out of your brains, but that obviously doesn't exist. And so we have to deal with it and we have to send uh, all of our support to uh, the victims of these horrifying attacks. My God, where do you even start with this, Buzz? Well, we're, we're talking about something that, without exaggerating, is uh, proportionately for Israel, certainly, uh, the equivalent of three or four 9-11s yeah. all, all at once. Yep. Um, uh, this is unbelievable, and if you, if you apply it to ourselves, to the U.S., if you had imagined uh, the, the, on 9-11, if it had been four times worse that day, mm-hmm. uh, how, how that might feel and how that yeah. might leave a nation. And, yeah. and we always have these discussions uh, mm-hmm. before the show when something terrible happens, whether it's a mass shooting. And we always come back to the same conclusion that, yeah, but damn it, we need the laughs. We yeah, need, we do. We need Because that's part of our humanity, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I don't think, I think, honestly, if we let go of that, the terrorists win. Yeah, uh, they do. Literally. They do. So, you know, that's part of life going on. It mm-hmm. is only natural. It's often an expression of pain. Yeah. Uh, some of the best jokes ever written, uh, I hear, mm-hmm. uh, are written from <laughs> from a, a, a standpoint of pain. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, it's all part of the, the human experience. But, but uh, my God, indeed, uh, when you talk about something that's uh, three or four times as bad as 9-11 happening to yeah. a nation uh, and to an ally of the U.S. And it is, I am heartened to see the world uniting, uh, for the most part, against this. Yeah. Uh, only the uh, expected uh, usual suspects are exceptions. But, um, right. you know, that's the, the rest of the civilized world is certainly is... Is uh, is all mourning this and and rushing to the aid of Israel? The astonishing number of missiles in that first attack twenty two hundred oh rockets fired into what was it southern and central Israel, uh, Tel right. Aviv, Jerusalem. Hamas said it was something like five thousand rockets fired, but I mean once you get past a certain number of rockets, 
does it really yeah. matter? No. Just, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a colossal, colossal amount of destruction and oh, death, death and, and awfulness. Death. Yes. The, and the kind of death that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy because it is crushing death. It is people trapped in rubble death. It's the kind Bodies of death. Bodies ripping that, apart death. Yes. Yeah. The, the kind of death that we saw on 9-11 and so many other occasions when some of these populated civilian areas get drawn into these wars. We've seen instances like this, certainly in Ukraine. And then you start to wonder, how does it end? Because, of course, Israel has to respond to this, which they did with um, a somewhat equal amount of destruction in Gaza. Massive, massive destruction. It, it, it seemed as though we went about 10 minutes without having a war. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then Ukraine, and then, and then Russia in, invaded Ukraine full on. I mean, they'd already taken Crimea. Yeah. Uh, and as if that weren't bad enough, then, then they uh, attacked Ukraine full on. Right. And, and so, boom, suddenly there's war on our TV. And, and now uh, an even more... We we it's it was what well, we've seen the Ukraine war has been mostly gritty on the ground stuff. This is this is fireworks and iron domes and and uh, this is a massive amount of air power and and missile. Uh, power uh, warfare that's uh, taking place here and uh it's just it's it, it's it's sickening to yeah. see w the wars multiplying now yeah yeah uh, uh, one especially of the things with china bearing down on taiwan i mean uh, there, there's this is not a great scenario. No. This is this is like World War Three kind of leading up to kind of stuff. The thing that I keep imagining, and this is something I was thinking about in terms of Ukraine since that war started, and looking at the optics of it and seeing how much of this destruction is taking place in areas that look exactly like parts of the United States. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine like a high-rise building in Crystal City across from the Pentagon, suddenly hit by a hundred rockets fired from uh, Delaware or something like that. You know what I mean? The amount of destruction, we can't even contemplate it here. And one of the reasons I think 9-11 was so shocking is because we had never seen anything like that in the United States. But I think if there's anything that we can take away from what's happening in Israel and Gaza and by extension Ukraine as well, because by the way, Russia is a factor in all of this shit. Yes, they are. Yes, uh, they are. Is that do we really want to tempt the notion of a civil war in the United States, knowing that there's a very strong potential that it could look like what we're seeing on television these days? that it could look like Israel, that it could look like Gaza, these uh, rocket strikes and so forth, and and hostage-taking and murdering of hostages and things like that, This the stuff that we've seen in Ukraine especially. I mean, we spent the past few decades seeing warfare in a certain setting where it's in desert areas and it's kind of in areas that have already been war-torn for many, many years. And we're not accustomed to seeing warfare taking place in suburbs and in urban right. central areas like that. Right. And, and so it's got to bring home for us. And again, especially the people who are so hell-bent on having a civil war in the United States simply because they don't have the words or the votes to back up their ridiculous political ideology. Those people need to take a serious, hard look 
at the ramifications of just this gratuitous drive towards war and what sectarian violence looks like applied to the United States. Is, is that what we want? And by the way, if I were uh, prone to dark humor, yeah. I, I, I might suggest that I, I'm a little less worried about climate change. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. So, see, I don't know where that stuff comes from, but you know, some, some days, some days. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I've been reading a lot also about what is this uh, kind of secession that you've spoken of before. I was trying to remember the phrase that you use, uh, where uh, we're the U.S. is sort of seceding from itself. That it's it's it is the U.S. itself is dividing into two nations. I'm yeah. reading more and more stories of people moving uh, from. Uh, I just uh, a story this week. I think in the New York times about a family that moved from liberal Oregon to conservative Missouri yeah and another family that moved from Iowa to Minnesota uh, yeah. for a more liberal you know to from red to blue and from blue to red and with the, the sort of talk that we've been hearing and the way people are actually moving I some days wish there was somewhere more more like the Florida that I came here for yeah, i wish there was somewhere yeah. like that for me to go uh but but there isn't and uh you know to, to pick up the local newspaper every day is a little depressing yeah uh, here uh, and and but i see it, and and it has done articles about people moving out of florida because they just can't take it anymore so there is a kind of internal secession and again i don't remember the phrase that you use uh, but 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 that is occurring. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a soft secession or uh, like a yes. Cold War kind of kind of succe secession. And it it is the country yeah. is not only politically divided, but is in becoming increasingly geographically yeah, divided. Yeah. Geez, I wish I could remember my own memes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe some of our <laughs> listeners will recall what it was I was using, what phraseology I was using well, to describe was, that. But I know this; it was very clever. I know that. <laughs> And it's more whatever it is, and it will turn up. It's more meaningful now yeah. because it's it's exactly what you described. It is a sort of secession that is occurring mm -hmm. without any states officially leaving the union. Right. People, the shifting of human beings is making that happen. Well, the terrifying thing, Buzz, is, and I was listening to an interview with this author Jeff Charlotte, who was has got a new book out and talks about this exact thing: mega churches throughout Trump country actively indoctrinating their congregations into the notion of participating in a civil war. I mean, I'm not, oh, yes, this is not yes. an exaggeration. I'm not saying this not. from a partisan point of view. This is pure reporting. This True, is what fact. many, many people across the United States, and obviously in certain areas that we're all familiar with, they're being indoctrinated with this. They're being trained mm -hmm. in, in terms of how to think when it comes to uh, sectarian violence inside the United States. And, and they're getting keyed up to the point where I think they're being motivated, recruited, so to speak, to participate in all of this. And, and that's and just I'm terrifying, yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry, but you see what's behind all of this, whether mm -hmm. it's in the United States or Israel, uh, certainly in, in the cases of these countries, uh, it's about religion. It's, yeah, this yeah. is all about religion. Yeah, if these are uh, well. What are we going to launch worldwide religious wars now? Is that right? I mean, yeah, no, that's no, just it. No, that's no, the, that's no. the other dimension of this you look at too, because this is about religion and predominantly. And I think I, I kind of relate this to something we're going through in a sectarian sense in the United States, especially online, and that is the inability for people 
to concede ground, to compromise. Everyone wants to save face. No one wants to admit they were wrong. And nowhere else is that more writ large than in the Middle East, because this is about territory, this is about religion, to the point where uh, no one wants to concede any ground because they'd be betraying this thing from the past or this thing from their religion. They would be seen as weak. Yes, because of all these things that have happened in the past. By the way, the book I was talking about by Jeff Charlotte is called The Undertow, Scenes from a Slow Civil War. Uh, which I strongly recommend. I mean, he went around and in some cases endangered his own life going to some of these mega churches and hearing what is being preached in these areas. And there was one instance where they, they kind of pegged him as being this woke journalist and he thought that he may not get out alive. He thought there may be yeah. some violence in the process of reporting on this one particular church. So uh, uh, that is something to, to check out because this is yeah. this is real. This is percolating inside the United States. And when I talk about making politics boring again, it's shit like this that I'm talking about. We cannot continue on this road buzz. We cannot continue toward this idea where civil war is being normalized, where sectarian violence inside the United States is being normalized. By the way, by some liberals who are like, yes, we should. What else can we do about these people other than to fight them? It's like Greg Gutfeld, obviously not a liberal, but Greg Gutfeld coming from the Fox News point of view was directly calling for violence. We cannot change the minds of Democrats. We cannot change the minds of wokers or whatever they're calling us these days. So therefore, we have to fight them. The only option is for violence. That's exactly what Greg Gutfeld was saying on The Five the other day. You know, the late night comedian that they've got on their show. Right. And people hear that and it becomes normal. They may not immediately, when they hear Greg Gutfeld say that, they may not immediately become radicalized. But if they hear it enough, it starts to become a thing. Yeah. Spreading it is bad enough. I mean, you spread feces, it's still feces and it remains feces. Right. It doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't become any less so over time. Uh, And even politicians have had a role in geographically uh, dividing us through gerrymandering. Yeah. By, by creating uh, ultra blue districts or ultra red districts. Uh, And both parties, especially certainly in Illinois, where Democrats already had a commanding lead, the Democrats actually pushed the Republican Party to the right on mm-hmm. the statewide level by gerrymandering uh, the Republican districts into such small pockets yeah. that they, they became even less significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, in, in a state like Florida, it's quite the opposite situation. Uh, but a gerrymandering has had a lot to do with dividing us geographically. I don't know. I don't know how we work that out. How do you work it out when you have so many disjointed regions and areas of the country that are, Uh, really a different country. And that's very, very true. And it's becoming more and more like that. But it cannot continue on this trajectory because at least the way I've gamed this out, the way that I've looked, you know, whatever it is, 10 moves down the road, 20 moves down the road, 100 moves down the road. Where does this uh, status of our politics. Where does this end up? And one of the biggest problems here, and one of the things that echoes what's happening in the Middle East is the fact that now in these Trump country areas, whether it's through these mega churches or because of right, right. Uh, far right red hat entertainment complex sorts of things, 
religion and politics have begun to inextricably merge in these areas, in the minds oh, yeah. of these people, where their political ideas and their political beliefs have become as firmly ingrained as their religious beliefs. And oh, that no, becomes, no. that takes us to the point where it's more than a little terrifying because they I, cannot yeah, be shaken off of that ground if it's faith. I, I, I suspect most of our listeners, or certainly many of our listeners, have heard or seen the clip of the woman saying that, that Trump is uh, God's tool. He's here doing God's work. Yeah. I think Colbert played that clip. Uh, yeah. But it's been all over the internet as well. Yep. Um, uh, and she said, you know, Trump was sent here by God to do this work. Trump is God's guy. Yeah. And this is Trump is the guy who was banging Stormy Daniels uh, while his <laughs> wife was nursing uh, their, their baby, uh, Brandon or Gannon or Camden or whatever his name is. Baron. Thank you. Yeah. Can well, let's, just, let's just call him Cannon. All right. Fine. <laughs> Whatever, the poor kid. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. That's exactly right. This is Donald Trump is their flawed messiah, and that's what they're being taught. And that particular clip is the perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. It's the perfect illustration of what Jeff Charlotte writes about in Undertow. That's exactly what these people are hearing. She didn't make that up. She didn't concoct that in her kitchen that morning. This is something that she's hearing at church. She's hearing this from, obviously, by proxy, her friends. God only knows what's being broadcast on AM radio in that town. But, but it's not a cult. It's not a cult. Of course, it's not, it's not a cult. But this is, this is the end game that they're looking at. And I don't want to sit here and dwell on this too much, but I, I, I got to <laughs> emphasize this because as an amateur Civil War historian, I understand the kind of destruction that can occur when, uh, you know, to use kind of a euphemism, where brother fights brother. You know, Shelby Foote says in the Civil War Ken Burns documentary series, he says, the worst fights I've ever seen were fights between brothers, like barroom brawls and things like oh, yeah. that. Yeah, and that's, there's a lot of truth to that. And so um, when we talk about the American Civil War, we're talking about something that was obviously from a very different time, a more romantic time, something where, and obviously that notion carried the American population through a significant part of the American Civil War. Uh, and those people were disabused of that idea. Once they started to see the absolute carnage when the body right. count started stacking up, now you take that. And you amplify that by the internet. You amplify that by the fact that we've got more AR-15s and semi-automatic rifles in this country than there are human beings. You amplify that by an already deeply propagandized media apparatus. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And so I, I hope that out of this immense tragedy in Israel and Gaza, that this idea is shaken out of us. I mean, I thought that was going to happen with Ukraine because Ukraine looks even more like the United States than these parts of Israel. And so I thought that familiarity would shake us out of our stupor. And when I say us, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yes. Sir. And so the other thing that keeps circulating through my head, Buzz, is, and I tweeted this this morning, but it bears repeating, thank goodness there are smart, rational people running the show in Washington, D.C. right now, running the show in the Pentagon right now, at Foggy Bottom, at the State Department. Thank goodness the 2020 election went the way it did. I mean, imagine this crisis 
But with Trump and this sideshow tent of disruptors, fascists, Moss Eisley cantina aliens in charge. It it's so sad so few of us see that. Yeah. I know. And of that's, course that's really tragic. Right. The and the biggest counterpoint to that notion is Donald Trump himself. Saying that this never would have happened if I was president. Yeah, that's very easy say to that, say. Yeah. Yes, r- exactly. This never would have happened if I were president. You can right. literally say that about anything in the world. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, I'm I'm Bob Se- podcaster Bob Seska. If I right. was president, everyone would have jetpacks made of beef. But they don't, and so <laughs> that's because when, I'm not president. They will when you're elected. Of course, you won't be elected, <laughs> right. but, but when right. you're elected, they will. You sure. can say whatever you want if it's in a what-if hypothetical situation, and Donald Trump always takes advantage of that little trick. That's one of his right. favorite tricks. If I were I doing this, it would be perfect, and everyone would get back massages, and th- that's and, that's and, how he operates. And, and, and instead, he's going after Forbes magazine yeah. and uh, a shirtless Joe Biden. <laughs> right, these are, right. These are his enemies now. And thank God, I mean, the rational, realistic, logical take on the Trump issue especially in the context of what's going on in Israel, is obviously no, no, no. It would be a nightmare if Donald Trump were in charge. Can you imagine that phone call between him and Vladimir Putin or him and uh, Bibi Netanyahu? Holy God, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Meantime, you know, Joe Biden's on top of shit. Anthony Blinken, on top of shit. But here's the again, let me say this again. It's too bad so few of us see that. Right, It's not... You know, it's it. I I wish this would get through to the American people. I don't know, I I don't know how we solve some of these problems that we've been laying out here in the last few minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's and and I really, uh, you made it clear certainly the need for solutions. Uh, we need those solutions and we need them now. Yeah, we just cannot continue on this current trajectory, where every election could determine the difference between stability and chaos. And we know what chaos looks like because what's happening in Israel, that's the kind of chaos we can expect if things go wildly out of control. I mean, it may just continue to be pockets of God. I mean, to to say this is even like the lesser of two evils, like an ongoing series of mass shootings, for example. I mean, that's kind of the direction this could head in the best case scenario. And even that is horrifying. So uh, I I hate to have that uh, dark, gloomy point of view on this, but I I think it's important to emphasize while we're seeing it on the news every day, we're seeing it on social media every day, the videos are rolling in, and it's important to emphasize what these sorts of things look like. Yes, because this is the sort of thing that we're discussing in this country right now. This is part of the discourse, a civil war in the United States. Is that what you want? That's the question everyone needs to ask themselves. Is this what you want? And I, I, you know, I... It's but this is a tough time to turn mm-hmm. on the TV and see war all around us now. Yeah. Uh, Russia in Ukraine and uh, Israel, uh, uh, Hamas. As uh, the story is unfolding rapidly, even as we record this podcast, uh, uh, Israel now says it sealed the border around Gaza. Uh, that it's uh, uh, killed two key Hamas leaders, mm-hmm. uh, and it says it is prepared now, having sealed the border, to launch. Uh, launch its full-on offensive against Hamas, what this means to uh, the 
hundreds of thousands of innocent Palestinian civilians there remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that's the other really hard thing about this war. We have seen Russia bombing sites in Ukraine that were not military in any way. Nope. They were civilians. They were schools. They were theaters. They were, they were places. Many of them were symbolic bombings. Many of them were, were aimed strictly uh, at apartment buildings, at civilian populations for no reason. Yeah. Uh, this, this, gave, uh, this was no strategic advantage for Russia except for terror. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we're seeing the same thing now in the Middle East uh, where uh, innocent people are uh, and and that's the way it always is with the war. Yeah, and, yeah. And I want us to, to all remember that. On Saturday, one of the missiles, uh, one of the uh, Palestinian missiles, slammed into a hospital in Ashkelon, which is a coastal town of Israel. Imagine that. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in hospitals as so I've been carrying. So yeah, as I've been caring for my dad and things like that. And I can't even imagine the idea. You're standing there, you're talking to your loved one, you're talking to your family member there in the hospital right. room, talking about maybe getting discharged or what the next treatment is, and then suddenly a missile hits the hospital and the whole fucking thing collapses. Right. That's the kind of shit we're talking about here. So I want to go back um, to another question before I start repeating myself about uh, the ramifications we could see here inside the United States, if we're not careful. Right. Noted. Uh, is what did Trump reveal? Uh, was Trump's fast and loose relationship with classified information involved in all of this? And, I mean, obviously we don't know. We don't know for sure. And there's been some discussion about this, which we'll get to. But imagine if Donald Trump precipitated this attack because this i mean obviously one of the first things out of the shoot when this occurred when this started saturday morning was oh my god what a colossal intelligence failure by israel that they didn't detect that literally thousands of missiles were going to be entering israel from gaza that was completely unknown to them caught them blindsided it was almost like when 9 11 happened we had no idea or maybe we did and, uh, and, and nothing happened. Who knows? Big question there. But the idea is that uh, somehow uh, Hamas found a loophole. Somehow Hamas found an opening in Israel's defenses, uh, a weakness in its chain of intelligence. Where did that come from? Hmm. Where did that come from? I mean, it says here, I mean, this is going around right now, uh, top brass in the Israeli defense establishment. Oh, this is, oh, you know what? This isn't even this past weekend. This is back, this is a story that was circulating this past June, a few uh -huh. months ago. Top brass in the Israeli defense establishment, particularly in the IDF, Intelligence Corps, and the Mossad Espionage Agency, are concerned that secret documents seized by Donald Trump include material whose exposure has damaged Israel's security. Yeah. So that's yeah. I, I don't think anybody has any doubt about that that aspect of it. Yeah. 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 So what if that were to happen? How does that play out? Will we ever find out? I don't know. I I, I, don't, I know. don't know. But I I think it, I think it's important uh, also to note that uh, we, you know to stop and ask ourselves where have we heard this before? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we you know the, historically we uh, many believe that uh, we we had advance notice of of 
Pearl Harbor, that yeah. we had advance notice of 9-11 uh, mm-hmm. and, and just didn't act on that intelligence. What if Israeli defense did have that intelligence yeah. and the people at the top ignored it, much as happened in the U.S. with the Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people at the top didn't acknowledge it and, and, and instead pursued whatever their agenda was at the time. So uh, ain't, ain't no accidents here, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's And I'm not sure... You know, it's always portrayed, I mean, in this country, if you'll remember, 9-11 was portrayed as, well, it was a failure in American intelligence. No, American intelligence had the data. Yeah. Uh, they, there was a failure in communication. There was a failure in attention at the highest levels of this government. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but no, there was no intelligence failure per se. Intelligence did its job then, and I suspect Israeli intelligence did its job this time, too. So I think we'll hear, continue to hear much in the coming days about the failure of Israeli intelligence and who's responsible. And it's really politically a distraction, I think, for uh, the leaders of Israel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got a list here, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. Uh, Steve Bennon compiled 10 times. 10! I mean, that may not even be all the times. That's not Steve Bannon. That's Steve, Steve Bannon. 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 Yeah, B-E-N-E-N. Very, yeah, Everyone very, knows very yeah, yeah. Steve from uh, Matto Blog, et cetera, MSNBC. Yeah, just in case, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the great bloggers from Blogosphere 1.0 and landed good, uh, yeah. with Rachel Matto. Just an invaluable source, one of the best of the best. And he compiled a list of 10 times Trump revealed classified information. Hmm, yeah. And so we'll, t- we'll talk about that list here coming up in a second, plus... Uh, Twitter, of course, is doing its thing loaded with disinformation about this. Oh, yeah. So you, you, we've been expressing a concern over the recent weeks yeah. about the disinformation that Elon Musk has and will allow regarding the 2024 election. Yeah. Now, add to that the disinformation he is allowing and will allow regarding uh, not only the Ukraine war, but now this war as well. Yes. So, and meantime, we're going to have a little fun at the expense of Jim Jordan. Here, <laughs> coming up in a second after the break, uh, we've got another uh, classic Buzz Burbank top five list coming. All right, <laughs> coming up here. Yes, uh, and Jim Jordan is at the center of it. So we'll talk about that coming up uh, after the break. Okay. Uh, more to come still on the show. Oh, plus uh, we got to talk about RFK Jr. a little bit here oh, yeah. before we wrap up. Okay, uh, more of our big Tuesday show right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska. That's a brand new single from Dream Kid. One of our new favorites on the show. Synthwave. Throwback music from the 80s. I love this so much. Love that sound. Yeah, this is a song called Take Me On Tonight. Featuring additional vocals by Mason Musso. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Yeah. Hope so. Link in the description, of course, at bobseska.com to download this song, of course, and support all the indie bands on the show. Yeah, just go to bobseska.com, find this episode dated 101023. It's my brother Jim's birthday. Happy birthday hey, to yeah, the... Yeah, happy birthday, My brother Jim, Jim yeah. And uh, he's not quite 50 yet. <laughs> but uh, suffice but to say... it's coming, Jim. Yes. It's coming. Find this episode dated 101023. Click that link. Scroll on down and you'll find links to support all the uh, indie bands on the show. Also, of course, uh, in the description on Patreon for our Patreon subscribers. Okay, we've got a top five list. I can't wait. Well, Bob, with Kevin McCarthy out of the way, the Republican majority in the U.S. House of Representatives may soon vote to elect a new speaker. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the candidates for that thankless job <laughs> is failed wrestling coach Jim Jordan. <laughs> So so here now are the top five rule changes if Jim Jordan becomes speaker. All right. Number five, title shall be changed to loudspeaker of the house. <laughs> of course. Number four, daily sessions begin with let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Number three, open investigation into Biden's dog. Of course. Number two. What happens in wrestling stays in wrestling. <laughs> and the number one change, if Jim Jordan's elected speaker, Monday through Thursday, no jackets. Friday, no shirts. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. A-hole. Yeah. Jim Jordan's an a-hole. Yeah. And, and this is, I think, an appropriate song for Jim Jordan. Don't you think? Yeah. Here we go. 
All right. He looks at the type, doesn't he? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, with that out of the way, let's talk about uh, <laughs> what did uh, Trump reveal and when did he reveal it? Guessing uh, everything all the time. There, we're done. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So, as I said before, Steve Bannon compiled this list of 10 times Donald Trump revealed classified information. A top 10 list, if you will. As it were. How yeah, dare yeah. he? <laughs> the nerve. Yes. So, uh, number 10 was in May 2017. Trump said a bit too much about nuclear submarines during a chat with then-Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte. Smart, one of his favorite dictators. That's uh, a part of that equation. Uh, Duterte loved to kill drug abusers. Yes, yes exactly, among other things. Uh, number nine, in July 2019, Trump had a sensitive conversation with Ambassador Gordon Sondland while Sondland was, a, uh, was in a Ukrainian restaurant. A former senior director of the White House Situation Room said soon after the security ramifications are insane. Ukraine, you say? Yes. How about that shit? Uh, number eight, secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this, Trump was recorded saying, adding, isn't that incredible? It's so cool. Okay, number seven, in February 2017, Trump discussed sensitive details about North Korea's ballistic missile tests with the Prime Minister of Japan at a Mar-a-Lago dining area in view of wealthy civilians and customers. This, you know what? Chez pr predicted all of this. In uh, 2016, before the election, <laughs> Chez on this show predicted that Donald Trump was just going to leak like a paper condom and just sure, reveal classified information all over the place. He can't keep his mouth shut, and that's always been the case. Exactly, yes. exactly. So, uh, Chez was correct about that, of course. Yes, and we've, uh, well, maybe we'll get to it in this uh, list here. I was going to mention the uh, Australian diplomats. Uh, probably, probably yeah, on the list. Yeah. Exactly, in Mar-a-Lago. Number six, in early October 2019, Trump publicly discussed American nuclear weapons in Turkey, something U.S. officials have long avoided disclosing and or confirming. Idiot. God damn it. Number five, in August 2019, Trump published a tweet. Do you publish tweets? I guess you do. He published a tweet about a failed Iranian rocket launch, which included a sensitive surveillance photo. Number four, in October 2019, a big year for Donald Trump, I guess. Uh, with why, why, couldn't he just, why couldn't he just do cat videos? <laughs> exactly. You know, sharing something like that is the equivalent to him of sharing a cat video. <laughs> he, he thinks he's really, really done something clever. He just, he loves to brag. That's just right, it. Exactly. That's one of the things That's I thought about when the, the Mar-a-Lago document story first emerged. I was like, yeah, yeah, well, he loves to show those things off. Exactly. Say that, hey, look at, look at how important I was. Right. In October of 2019, this is number four, Trump needlessly blurted out all kinds of highly classified or tactically <laughs> sensitive tactical and operational details about the al-Baghdadi mission in Syria. That may have been the big, beautiful chocolate cake situation yeah, for President yeah, G. that's the one I was guessing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number three, in 2020, Trump disclosed the existence of a secret nuclear weapons program to Bob Woodward. To the surprise of national security insiders. Number Woodward, of course, saved that for his book. Right. Thanks, Bob. Number two, in 2021, Trump allegedly shared classified information about American nuclear submarines with an Australian billionaire. The disclosures, the New York Times reported, potentially endangered the U.S. nuclear fleet. And number one, sure, why not? Yeah, right. Number one, just four months into Trump's presidency, he revealed highly classified information to Russian officials, 
By the way, about Israel, uh, as they were visiting yeah, they, the Oval Office in Putin, Oval, at Putin's request, yeah. yeah. That's when I, that's still number one. I Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. Yeah. That is the absolute worst of uh, Trump's leaks. Yeah, and we've seen the pictures of that particular meeting where uh, the two Sergeys, Kislyak and Lavrov, and the fact that Donald Trump, for maybe the only time I've ever seen him, is not wearing orange face makeup. <laughs> He's wearing purple face makeup. Oh to, my God. I think it's to match Lavrov's purple face makeup. It's a no. it's a weird thing I notice. I know that, and I always mention it, but I can't stop obsessing or, over the or, fact. Or, or it means the white balance wasn't properly set on the camera. I'm uh, not sure. That could also be, but they, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've I've worked with color and and you know yeah. So I think it may, it may have something to do with that. If they were both purple, then that's probably the lighting in the room and the setting. Okay. The you know your aperture settings and your exposure times and those kinds of things. Because I like to think that. Trump is such a Russian suck-up that Lavrov gifted him with some of his own style of face makeup. And so Trump wanted to wear it because he didn't want to make Lavrov upset. Why, why aren't you wearing the face makeup I gave you? You you hate all the gifts I give you, Mr. Trump. Well, I, why? I, I, I do like your story better, but I think... Uh, <laughs> I think it's and and again I you know I'm not even sure I know Trump is wily in his own way but I'm not sure that this was even a matter of colluding with Russia intentionally as much as it was the very thing we were talking about he was showing off yeah yeah that's he was right. showing off look what we look what we know look what look what we can do yeah and and that's just absolutely the wrong thing and uh, I think his ego. Uh, overshadows his uh, whatever little intelligence he has. Right, right. And, and that's the thing. He's so insecure about the fact that he became president. That's one of the reasons why he can't admit that he lost. It's one of the reasons why he shares this kind of information, because he's just amazed that he finally got access to it. He can't believe that he, Donald Trump, became president and got access to America's most closely held secrets. And so he's got to show him off because he's constantly got to reinforce that he was an important person or still is an important person. Because he knows that people are going, oh, Donald Trump's a giant poser. He is, yeah. has no business being out there, so to speak. So he's got to make sure he emphasizes all that shit. It, it's a relationship he feels has paid off for him. He 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 thinks he's gotten his money's worth out of Russia yeah. and the and the things that he shared with them. Absolutely, that's right. That's right. So uh, that is that. Thanks to the great Steve Bennon from uh, Matto Blog for providing that. Okay, so uh, meantime, Twitter is loaded with disinformation about all this shit, uh, naturally. Yeah. And, and I wonder if it would have uh, been much better, if there would have been much less disinformation if Elon Musk were not in charge of things and completely destabilized the platform. Uh, uh, yeah. Some, yeah. some. I mean, first of all, we wouldn't already be, be mired in the anti-Semitism that has already drenched Twitter since Musk took over yeah. there. Uh, at least before, as flawed as Twitter was before. Oh, look, my voice is changing. It must be puberty. <laughs> uh, as flawed as uh, you know, we've been in that regard. I now I yeah. forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, suffice to say, in the wake of this deadly attack, uh, yeah. the series of deadly attacks on Israel and uh, and in Gaza this weekend, 
uh, journalists, researchers, open source intelligence experts, and fact checkers rush to verify the deluge of raw video footage and images being shared online by people on the ground. But users of the former Twitter website seeking information on the conflict faced a flood of disinformation. Yes. While all major world events are now accompanied uh, almost instantly by a deluge of disinformation aimed at controlling the narrative, the scale and speed at which, as according to Wired, uh, disinformation was being seeded about the Israel-Hamas conflict is unprecedented, particularly on X. Twitter and and the, and the floodgates were already opened by an Elon Musk who dismissed uh, what what little staff they had. I mean, is inadequate, and this was my point earlier. Yeah. Is inadequate as uh, Twitter has been at addressing this in the past. It's far worse now because uh, he's absolutely fired everyone who who ever cared about uh, any level of of safety or truthfulness on on Twitter. Uh, they're all gone now. Uh, there's there's no. Uh, morality left there and uh, so yeah it has gotten worse under uh, musk and and as i also said before there's been a run-up to this with uh, the allowing of uh, this flood of anti-semitic uh, tweets that we've seen recently and as i've been forecasting since it actually happened since the blue check thing it completely exploded uh well, i don't know right, i don't remember right. it was 10 months ago or something like that it says here according to wired Boosted by the algorithm that mm. promotes users willing to pay $8 a month for a premium subscription, posts from those with a blue check mark shot to the top of news feeds for people seeking information about the conflict. Do we feel better about the blue check situation or do we feel like shit about it? The correct answer is the latter. We should feel like shit yeah. about that. Be yeah, because as as a non-paying Twitter user, I'm seeing an increasing number of posts by people who simply paid the eight bucks. And in the case of news about uh, the Israel-Hamas war, uh, one of those organizations, at least one of those organizations with a blue check, is probably the worst source of of uh, <clears throat> propaganda that uh, that you'll find, and yeah. and anti-Semitic propaganda. Yeah, which Elon Musk shared from his account yes. and has since deleted sure. because yeah. he is sharing information from a, a known anti-Semite. Doesn't have a clue. The man is just reckless. He's he's like a uh, what do you call it? A monkey with a machine gun? Yeah, that, exactly. That's 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 Elon Musk. Right, right. This is one of the many ramifications of the decision he made with regard to blue checks. And I go back to Things that uh, I was screaming about, Kimberly Johnson was screaming about, other people were screaming about when those blue checks uh, went away for legitimate people and became the purview of propagandists and trolls and disinformers and Russians and all the rest of it. This is the fallout from that. This is exactly what we were warning of. And to be clear, I didn't bring this up to pat myself on the back, but I'm patting myself on the back. I, we were right about this, and and you I so just often are. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll take that burden off of you. Uh, you you are often even. I've even there have even been times, Bob, where I had my doubts, <laughs> but but you always proved yourself right. And, well, uh, well, to temper it's, that, it's a to, good lesson. To, to temper my little bout of ego here, I wish I had been wrong. 
I wish I had been of wrong course. about oh, all I know. this. I know. I that we wouldn't that be often. facing this kind of disinformation. There have, been, yeah. there have been so many things you've warned us about that we didn't heed that you had to come back later and say, I wish I had been wrong. Yeah, yeah. I just, I remember talking about blue checks and everyone going, Bob, shut up about blue checks. It's not a big deal. You're just whining because you're losing your clout. So, no, it's not why I'm whining, but the fact is that it wasn't about that. It was a warning based on the fact that we had just been through an election in 2016 that was hijacked by disinformation. And Elon right. was moving toward that eventuality Even worse, once again. Even worse, a hundred times worse. It'll be, it'll be much worse this election than it was then. Yes, Absolutely exactly. Absolutely it will. Yeah. What, with all the constraints taken off, with all the anti-Semitism, with all the disinformation, not only about our own politics mm -hmm. but world politics yeah. oh yeah it's gonna be worse yeah right right so the conversation about this that we should be having in the united states everything that we were discussing in the the first segment on today's show for example these are things that need to be based on a common set of facts and when people are getting disinformation just uh, flooded into their news feeds every day mm -hmm. from people with blue checks whose accounts get amplified because of the algorithm, then that conversation becomes skewed and lost. And then we end up in possibly a similar situation as what we're seeing in the Middle East right now. Different dynamics, different names, different nouns associated with it, different events, but similar outcomes. Mass death. And, you know, once you get into a situation like that with sectarian warfare, the problem is, how do you end it? How do you get out? Yeah. What's the exit strategy for an American civil war? God only knows. I can tell you this, that uh, Robert E. Lee, for all the horror show that he was responsible for on a regular basis, he actually made sure to emphasize to his people, don't go up in the hills and start your guerrilla warfare about this, because that's never going to end, so don't. And so that was one of the last things he did as the commander of the Confederate Army. Probably, I mean, I'm not going to compliment Robert E. Lee. I was about to say it was a smart thing to do, but let's just put it this way. It we was, can be grateful he at least did that. Yes, he had good foresight in terms of what could have happened after Appomattox. Right. So, yeah, and that's the kind of warning that we need to heed right now. Okay, I didn't want to get back to that, but I think it was an important point to make. So Indeed. let's talk, speaking of division, let's talk about RFK Jr. and the fact that he's running in the general election in 2024 as an independent candidate. Uh, the good news is his announcement was a disaster. Did you see that? No, I did not. Okay, so he got up to the podium to announce his candidacy as an independent candidate for president in 2024. Uh -huh. And his, I think his speech was upside down in the teleprompter. And he didn't have the paper in front of him. He didn't have the paper version oh, of it in front of him. So always have the paper in front of you. It was a gigantic clusterfuck. It made me feel way better. I did a Carl Frisch event a couple of years ago uh, down in Northern Virginia. And right. there was something fucked up with the microphone. Uh -huh. And I had something I had to hold with two hands. But the right. mic stand kept like becoming flaccid. And so right. I had to actually hold the mic with one hand and scroll through my phone with my left hand. Right. And it was, a, it was a disaster. So I kind of can relate to that, but I'm just a podcaster showing up to do the introductions at a fucking school board event. You know, this is the guy running for president. And so right. it kind of emphasizes my ongoing mantra, which is... Quite, quite an operation. Yeah, yeah, no more political tourists, please. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's it's fun now to hear that from the right because yeah. now that he's no longer a, a, a you know a, a democratic threat, not that he ever was. Yeah. But but he was enough. It was going to be enough to possibly erode from from Biden's vote in twenty four. Yeah. Now he's Trump's problem. Right. Now right. he he erodes he because he is attracting Trump voters. He is attracting Republicans, even though he's, he claims to be running as an independent. Yeah. He's been a Republican even when he was a Democratic candidate. Right. He right. was a Republican. Uh, and and I think it's it's less for us to worry about now and more for the Trump supporters to worry about. Exactly. I just I go back to the uh, the thing I say all the time, which is that. I don't understand this idea. I don't know where it came from, where suddenly people decided, okay, I can go from zero to president overnight. Mm -hmm. I don't have to run for school board. I don't have to run for Senate well, or governor if, before if, running for president. They just decide, first, hey, look, I can be president because well, if, I can be president. I don't know. Well, first and foremost, in his case, the name, of course. Yeah. Well, uh, but but in addition to that, he feels like... Uh, I racked up a pretty good following for myself with this anti-vax thing and with the with the environmental stuff before that. You know, I think I can do this, and yeah. especially as an independent, as a third-party candidate. And uh, I think he's in for. I, I mean, I can't believe he, I'm with you. I can't believe he's that deluded to think that he even has a chance yeah. of success, even at a time. And I and this it terrifies me because I know that uh, there. Uh, there's an article, another article that caught my attention this week from the New York Times. The headline was, How Do Americans Feel About Politics? Quote, disgust isn't a strong enough word. And it's 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 anger uh, from, uh, from the majority of Americans uh, against both uh, Biden and Trump. Yeah, uh, the, the the anger and the hatred toward them is is is, is strong in both cases, and it, it will get down to you know a few truly independent votes to decide this. But yeah, yeah. Uh, at least the way things are racking up now. But it's it really is disturbing and difficult, and and uh, Republicans have succeeded in uh, you know shaking people's faith in government. They if that was part of their goal, and we know that it was and that it is, uh, they have indeed succeeded. Yeah, I, I think one of the things is we've begun to confuse clout for qualifications. And that is a mistake because that gave us Donald Trump, for example. Oh, well, he's popular. So, okay, right. I guess he can do the job. Well, but also, no, he's not, no, no. Also, also, he's not Biden or Trump. And yeah. I, I just worry that uh, so many Americans are so disgusted with all of that. Uh, and and they do blame both sides for everything. Uh, to them, uh, the dysfunction in the House is not a Republican thing. I although I hope and I think maybe that message is getting through. Mm -hmm. I think, but they, I think if, for the most part, uh, they see a dysfunction in the House as business as usual in Washington. Yeah. It's those Democrats and Republicans again. Right. It's you know, and and so that's what always scares me about an independent candidacy. Uh, I I don't think Cornell West has much of a chance. Yeah. Uh, either. Uh, and and these third party candidates, as we've discussed so many times before, and please spread the word, uh, third party candidates are a vote for Trump. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. Uh, generally speaking, although, as I said, I think RFK Jr. can do some damage to Trump and it may be it may be crucial damage. I don't know. I think it's going to be even Steven. I think the damage is going to be equal on both sides, it which be. makes could it be. a complete wash with RFK yeah. Jr. Because also true. Yeah. Chew on this. <laughs> If you're listening to this show and you're thinking about supporting RFK Jr., you know you know where he's going to be on October 18? <laughs> CPAC.
He is going to be speaking at CPAC uh, the weekend of October 18 or whenever that happens to be. There's your Democrat turn independent. Yeah, that week. What is uh, October 18th? That starts uh, midweek next week, next next Wednesday. Absolutely. He's speaking at CPAC. That's all you need to know. Mm -hmm. So, and just by way of kind of comparing and contrasting here, the impact of independent candidates in races, there are a couple new polls out regarding Arizona and the Gallego, Cary Lake, uh, Kirsten Cinema race shaping up there for uh, Senate. Okay, so right now, according to national research, uh, this is, of course, in Arizona among likely voters. These are not just okay. registered voters. These are people who told pollsters that they're definitely going to vote. Carrie Lake leads right now. She's up four against Gallego, 37 to 33. But you know what Cinema's number is? What? 19%. Cinema mm-hmm. is taking, I mean, that 19% could go to Ruben yep. Gallego and Ruben Gallego would be dominating that race. It would be an Absolutely. easy win for him. The next poll is not so tragic. PPP uh, released a poll, public policy uh-huh. polling, okay. and they've got Gallego up. He's receiving 41% support. Lake is receiving 36%. Cinema is receiving 15% in a hypothetical uh-huh. three-way matchup. Well, let's, let's hope that keeps shrinking. Uh, the problem with, I think, is name recognition. Some people just, oh, yeah, I know that name. That's yeah. what I'm voting for. Because never underestimate how underinformed people, voters are. Right, right. So uh, that is that. Did we Have we done a second break yet? We haven't had a second no, break. No, Okay. We oh, haven't. my God. Things get away from us so quickly. They do. All right. Let's take one last break. And when we come back, we got to talk about uh, Trump's most horrific lie, once again repeated at some rally in Iowa uh, over the weekend. And Rudy Giuliani is in big trouble with the IRS financially. We're going to get into all of that here after a short break. Back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska plays more music. Once upon a nightingale the dream of a thousand sails hanging across his rusty nails suburban streets and fairy tales stood on corners with despair this is one of my favorite songs uh, from this year that we've played on the show this is the great Michael McDermott and a track called Positively Central Park 
Got to get this entire album. So, uh, yeah, follow the link in the description to uh, support Michael McDermott. Great, great work there. Absolutely. One of our favorites. Yes, yes, yes. Um, By the way, I've got a huge guest announcement for tomorrow's interview show. Oh, excellent. This is a big one for fellow Gen Xers. Tomorrow's show, my guests, plural, will be, and I'm not making this up. People are going to think I'm making this up. I'm bullshitting. This is a joke. This is a setup for something. No, I'm not. This is absolutely legitimate. This is booked. This is all ready to go. Doug and Emmy Joe, the human characters from the New Zoo Review. If you remember that show, it was a children's show from the 1970s, ran for, I don't know, five, six years. It was about uh, this frog and this hippo and this owl that were like life-size, like people in in Mm -hmm. costumes, right? And they lived in this little village, right, with Doug and Emmy Joe, their human caretakers and so on. And so Doug and Emmy Joe are going to be on my podcast tomorrow. We're going to talk great. about News Review and its impact and what it was like <laughs> to make that show and what the costumes were like to be inside them and so on. Just all kinds of fun stuff. And so it'll be politics-free episode of the Well, that'll be refreshing show. Yes, sure. of course. I love it. Yeah. That's the great thing about doing this interview show. It doesn't always have to be about politics. In fact, a lot of times oh, no. we just completely sidestep politics and we talk about uh, uh, fun things, too. So uh, politics we is do. fun, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. We do, yeah. yeah Witness the, the interview you did with me that time. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> um, yes, so Doug... Yeah. No, I, I, I'm only you know vaguely familiar with New Zoo Review. It was yeah. sort of after my time. Uh, I was going to Alice Cooper concerts at that time, so yeah. I, was a little, I was a little older then. Yeah, it wasn't specifically your demographic, and that's okay. No, it would have no. been weird if you were watching News or Review in the 70s. It would have been, yes. People would have talked. <laughs> right, but I certainly saw it. In fact, God, I, I think I can remember every single lyric for the theme song. I'm sure. Well, I have, you know, I've all every jingle from the 1960s in my head for some reason, but <laughs> so I, I know the feeling, but uh, yeah. no, I don't know that one. It was a big one. It was right up there with like Sesame Street and Electric Company and the Sid and Marty Croft shows. There was just there was a whole thing in the 70s about people dressing up like animals or weird characters and like yeah, giant, was, giant yeah, heads and costumes. Beginning beginning of the furry movement, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Now that puts News or Review in a completely different light, but okay. And, and then yeah. and then the proliferation into uh, you know sports teams mascots, yes, you know, the mascots costume. I worked for a radio station that was called Wizard One Hundred. Uh-huh. Wizard One Hundred was our you know our tagline. Yeah, that was that was how we know it. Guess what our 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 mascot was at Wizard One Hundred. It was a wizard. No, it was a beaver. <laughs> we we had a guy in a beaver suit, and the reason was. That, the home office back in Indiana, this was in Philadelphia, but the home office back in Indiana, they they happened to have a beaver suit on hand, and it was the cheapest way to go. So our mascot at Wizard 100 was a beaver. Thank you. And, and, there, and there was no explanation for why. No, well, again, I think part of the furry movement. Yeah, I, yeah. That's all I can explain it. Well, you know, I worked at a radio station in Allentown, Pennsylvania. The radio station was called B104. Can you imagine what the mascot was? No, I can't. That would uh, well, be normally it would be a B. It's but. it was a B. It was a B. There's yeah, no punchline sure. there. It was just it was a B. It was I, a guy well, a see, big... that, and that's that's how it's supposed to go. Yeah, that's how yeah. you know. But if you're Wizard 100, you you get a guy in a wizard suit and a wizard dress or whatever it is they yeah, wear, yeah, the yeah. capes and the, the flowing Stevie Nicks thing, and and uh, that's your wizard. Uh, but uh, no, we had a beaver. 
I was too tall to fit into the bee costume. So I never had to wear the bee costume. You couldn't have been the beaver either. I was asked to be the bee costume, to be inside the bee costume. Of course you were. But I uh, did not fit into the bee costume. Good for you. Thank fucking God. See, there, it worked your advantage, didn't it? Yeah, I already had to call myself Stretch Cunningham on the radio. Right, right. (laughs) Which I abbreviated to just Bob Cunningham because I couldn't deal with it. But, uh, yeah, uh, it was one of the last humiliations of my broadcast radio career. That was like the thing that drove me away from broadcast radio, the fact that I had to use a, uh, I was forced to use a name that I didn't really like. (laughs) So that was among many things that I didn't really like about that radio, but, you know, (laughs) about that station. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Anyway. I know what it's like to be given a name that is not yours. So. <laughs> well, you wear it well. You, you wear it proudly, and it works. Thank you. I think it works. It's been it's been very very good to me. Yes. Okay. So a couple things here before we wrap up. Trump continues to repeat his most horrific lie ever at an Iowa rally over the weekend. I'm not going to play the audio. I'm going to spare you of this. Uh It's not even going to be tiny Trump audio because we've all heard him say this, but it bears repeating. If it's after the ninth month, he said, and the baby was born, you put the baby aside. This is how he's imagining it, envisioning it in his worm-infested brain. You discuss with the mother, and if the mother doesn't want the baby, we execute the baby. Uh-huh. This is part of their thing, he said. This is like this is the thing that he keeps talking about, where he's got this idea in his head that after babies are born, normally in the hospital, the doctor's there, dad's there with the video camera and the whole thing. And he thinks that they're looking at the healthy baby and they're going, and- ah, maybe we should kill that. And nobody, nobody in the crowd yells, that's bullshit, that's a lie. Right. Nobody, nobody no. says a word. Nobody Everyone's says like, a word. Everyone's oh, like, shock, oh my God, ah. Oh. And there's always someone in the back of <laughs> screaming. <laughs> yeah. And no, Maybe. no, it's that it would be, that's murder, that's infanticide. Yeah. You go to prison for shit like that. There, there are laws, yes. It's yes, of course, what he's thinking is going on is not really going on. He's no. He's deeply, deeply, badly, 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 badly confused. And, what, and I would say a small percentage of the people hearing that believe it to be true, and and the rest of them know it's bullshit, but they're okay with it. I, I think there's a much larger percentage. I think you're giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt on that. I think there's many, well, many I do more think, people. I do, I do think there's a degree. I do think there's a percentage of them who who know it's bullshit, but they're okay with that because ah, it's just Donnie. Ah, I mean, just how he Liz Cheney has repeated that lie. Yes, yes, I know. What they're talking about here and what fucking Ralph Northam bungled back in the day, back in the day, it was 2018 or something like that. But suffice to say, Ralph Northam was talking about um, palliative care for babies that are born with catastrophic birth defects who are going to die within hours, if not days. And the idea is, do we put those babies through additional pain, through all kinds of extraordinary medical uh, techniques and devices and efforts to save the baby's life in futility? Because irrespective of what you do, the baby is going to die. And so this is a matter of the parent saying, let's just make this baby comfortable. 
and right. pain-free, trauma-free right. as it passes on because that is going to happen anyway, no matter right. what we do. And so that's what's being mistaken here. And Trump is turning that into elective murder after just strangle the baby or whatever they're, whatever he's thinking goes on in that sort of scenario. And that Democrats, liberals, people who are woke, want that to happen, want that to be legal. I don't know if he believes that we think it should be legalized or if he believes that it's already happening and it's already legal. Either way is fucking horseshit. Oh, yeah, I think he believes it's already happening. Yeah. So don't let him get away with this. If you're at Thanksgiving dinner this year. Start a fight. Start, start, a, start fight. a food fight if your crazy red hat uncle starts repeating <laughs> this bullshit. Because it is absolutely not true. This is one of those things that is going to get women killed. Yeah, this is yeah. going to get doctors and nurses killed killed because Donald Trump is telling these naive suckers that all of the above are murdering healthy babies after they've been born. It's ludicrous and wrong and, and so immensely dangerous. Okay. It's, it's astounding the size of the lies. It's astounding. Yeah. It's astounding that the, the, the bigger the lie and they still believe it. They, yeah. they no matter how big the lies get, Mm -hmm. uh, they still get believed. That, to me, is unbelievable. Yes. So uh, this last story here uh, is uh, fascinating and fun. I think I think we can call this story fun, right? Oops. You know, you know what? You know what make this uh, make this show better? Yeah. Sna snacks. I'm starving. <laughs> can know. we get snacks on the show? I know. Here's a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, uh -huh. We start this show super early. We record early on we Tuesdays. Try. Yeah. And I, and I delay having my breakfast until after we're done recording the That's show. That's insane. That's insane. Brad, Bob, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Oh, God, I know it. I mean, the amount yeah. of breakfast I eat. Uh, you know what? I have this bowl of oatmeal. It's got three packets of oatmeal in it. Mm -hmm. Qua mm -hmm. Instant Quaker Oats oatmeal in there. Sure. And I start eating that oatmeal. And this is after I eat a couple of hard-boiled eggs and some, mm -hmm. some toast with almond butter on it. That's oh, part of God. the... You're talking about food. There's no food here. <laughs> I know. My stomach is growling. and But it's one of those things where there's so much oatmeal in that bowl... I'm sitting there, and it feels like I'm always eating the oatmeal. It's <laughs> yeah, like an, an so. hour will go by, and I'm like, I'm, God, I'm still eating this oatmeal. Why do you punish yourself? <laughs> Why haven't I finished this? No. It's, it's you know, they say kids kids who have breakfast do better in school in yeah. the morning hours than kids who don't have breakfast. That's true. And the, the same would go, you're, you're cheating this podcast by not <laughs> eating before the show. Well, I do have a uh, protein shake. First okay. thing out right. of bed, well, yeah. As the, as the coffee is being made in the coffee maker, I have right. a uh, I have 25 grams of uh, protein powder. Oh, and so good. I enjoy that. So at least there's something in my system. Otherwise, well, you know what? I could always just blame all the fuck-ups on today's show for my lack of nutrition. <laughs> I, <laughs> all, I the tried, stupid, all the stupid shit I've said today, that I, I blame that the, on I, lack, of, uh, lack of food. I tried the protein powder, but I couldn't snort that much. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. That's not how you're supposed to yeah, read the instructions. Supposed to mix it with water is what you're supposed right. to do. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you you have something for us. <laughs> yes. Uh, where's our Rudy Giuliani music? I think we've got oh, Rudy Giuliani oh music here. We got it. Poor Rudy. Yeah. Poor drunk ass Rudy. According to public records, Rudy Giuliani owes the IRS over half a million dollars in back uh -huh. taxes. 
Uh-huh. As if that and- wasn't enough, according to Jamie Frevely at Mediaite, the agency also put a lien on his Palm Beach, Florida property. Uh-huh. Uh, and- court filing revealed a bill of $549,000 in federal right. taxes owed in 2021 alone. <laughs> There's a half million. He's being sued by his lawyers for another half million. That's a million dollars in lawsuits, and he has no money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the same notice from August also notified Giuliani, a former advisor to Donald Trump, of course, that a lien was being placed on his Florida penthouse, reportedly valued at $4.5 million. <laughs> uh, the news comes as as Giuliani's legal problems and fees continue to grow, as you were saying, uh-huh. Buzz, with the uh, right. Former White House attorney Ty Cobb, old-timey baseball player Ty Cobb with his funny mustache, described the situation as a tragic fall to CNN's Aaron Burnett. He said, I think Rudy's in a lot of trouble. I think it's a huge problem. I think it's like any American who saw him throw the first ball out at Yankee Stadium after 9-11 thought he was America's mayor. I think this is a tragic fall. The depths I don't think we've necessarily seen yet. So I do think he's in in great difficulty. Old-timey baseball player Ty Cobb thinks that Rudy Giuliani still has farther to go down the uh, shithole. That's that's fun. I love hearing that. Yeah, reading an article recently about uh, Rudy's descent into alcohol and, and yeah. when that began, when when his descent as a person began, uh, it was he. I really think, from what I've read, that it got down to uh, he missed the stardom of nine eleven. Yeah, he missed being the center of attention, and he did everything he could, including attaching himself to Donald Trump, to try to regain that that feeling of importance, that that feeling of of uh, bigger than life that he enjoyed uh, perhaps too much in yeah. the days after 9-11. Well, it's, it's hilarious that he continues to deny the fact that he's a heavy drinker. <laughs> right. Because it's very obvious to everyone that Rudy Giuliani's got an alcohol issue. There was a club. Things, you know. It was a club he used to go to uh, in, uh, it closed in 2020, I believe. Yeah. Uh, no, it's been more recently than that. I've, I've forgotten uh, maybe it was 2020, uh, but it's been closed for a couple of years now. But he used to go there all the time. And uh, some of the other members of this very, very exclusive club would uh, t- tip the bartenders uh, extra money to make Rudy's drinks a little stiffer if they if they knew he was going on fa- Fox News later. Oh, my God. No, if, no way. If they, if they, you know, way, yeah. Uh, if they knew, and I think it was... Uh, uh, I'm going to have to try to remember uh, the civil rights leader who does shows on MSNBC, um, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton. Sharpton was, oh, okay. I think, in, in this bar as well. Yeah. And he said he, he never took part in these reindeer games, but he was aware of the fact that certain members of the club would tip the bartenders to put extra booze and Rudy's drinks on the nights that he had a scheduled appearance on Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> See and now these are it. these are people I want to meet because that's I, I know that's some that's patriotism a, right there is what that that's is. That's a nice way to end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, perfect. I, I I just keep you know what I, I'm smiling and giggling to myself because I'm also looking at the image that Mediaite chose to go along with this news story that I was just reading. Yes, yeah, and it's just Rudy looking completely out to lunch. Yeah, he just yeah, looks he like a goddamn mess, and he's got a guy like a security guide holding him by the arm and dragging him along. And Rudy's got, like, a look on his face where it kind of looks like a bee flew up his nose. 
I mean, that's God, that's the only way I can describe that ex- expression on his face. Oh. I wish I could. I wish this was video right, for this moment right now. For this ten seconds, I wish this show was video so I could show you this image. Yeah, I but understand. I don't. I don't wish this show was video. We can post <laughs> it on the internet some way, perhaps. I think we can. I, I know how to do that. I know these things. I know how to do that. Uh, okay, so we got lots more to come on the uh, Shadow Docket portion of the show. Let's see here. Some things we didn't get to on the free part of the show. Uh, Donald Trump was pissed off that he only got one vote for Speaker of the House last time. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you're concerned that Donald Trump is going to become Speaker of the House, there's no way it's going to happen. There's your proof. It's not going to happen. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some hope for 2024 from a Republican voter in Pennsylvania. Yes, this is wonderful. You have to join us for this. Yes, this is actually something positive to come out of Meet the Press, <laughs> given its it, uh, it, inauspicious it, debut with Kristen Welker. It was an accident, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, but this is good. She sat down with like a focus group of people to talk about, you know, it was like the typical uh, media thing they do, the news media thing where they got to talk to the diner people. Always on a search for the diner people who might be Republican. That Well, right. primarily, if, uh, entirely Republican. That's the only ones they care about. So we're going to talk about that, too. Apparently, they they serve uh, Republican food at diners. I don't know. (laughs) That's right. I don't know what the deal is with that. I love diners. Yeah, I I, do, too. Not a Republican. Um, Plus, the Republican war on books continues. Oh, man. Uh, Some primary stuff about Iowa. And uh, a little bit of statistics in terms of what people know and what they don't know about world geography. Oh, yeah. Yes, sad. $5 a month, and you can hear us talk about world geography. Isn't that an incentive? I think it is. <laughs> I say it is. All right, the Shadow well, Docket up next on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Show. We'll see you over there. Join us, why don't you? Bye-bye. Peace in the Middle East.